What's up, Jets fans, and welcome to another edition of Jet Nation Live. We are your hosts, Dylan Terman and Glenn Naughton. A special mid-combine, literally mid-combine, as they are still going through on-field drills. It looks like the defensive lineman right now currently. Combine week is upon us officially. We are getting tons of tweets of notifications of length, weight, height measurements, and vertical jumps on all these freakish athletes. And it's been a whirlwind to keep up with, quite frankly. I got out of work a little late, and it's been very hard to keep up with from the start. Glenn, how's it going tonight? Uh, going all right, going all right. Trying to keep up a little bit here from work. I, I, I'd already decided I was going to follow it on Twitter, catch the highlights, and then uh, sometime in the morning go through the list and when everything is right there for you to look at. But um, like you said, man, some freakish numbers being put up by these guys. And it seems like every year guys get a little faster, a little bit more, a little bit more freakish. And it's it's kind of wild to see the numbers that we're seeing right now. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely get into it. Um, Our draft topic tonight is our defensive guys. So I feel like this falls right in line with a lot of it because we have talked about several defensive linemen, linebackers and off ball linebackers who are participating here tonight. So a lot of these guys are going to be fresh with uh, brand new 40 times to show off and vertical jumps to show off. So I'm excited to get into that. But we do have a little bit of Jets news. Somewhat related to the Jets, Aaron Rodgers did a podcast and he said that he hasn't made a decision. Obviously, Brian Gutenkunst said that at the Combine. He has not spoken to Aaron Rodgers yet either. I feel like we're just in wait-and-see mode there. We can kind of skip past that. If you want to go watch the podcast with Aubrey Marcus, you can. You're free to do that. It was a decent podcast if you're a fan of him. He didn't say much about football, though. I got the sense he was playing in 2023, which I think is all that matters. Now, whether it's for the Packers or some other team, we won't find out for a couple days, hopefully, maybe maybe a couple weeks. But um, the real news that pertains to the Jets and a quarterback is Derek Carr did make an appearance at Indianapolis, met with a handful of teams. The Saints and the Jets were the predominant teams because that was their second visit with him. The Panthers were also added to that list. They met with him as well. I think they met in person and then via phone call afterward as well. So it's, it's kind of weird, all the – you know, intertwining of Derek Carr and who is he meeting with and who is he not meeting with. But it seems like it's the Jets, the Saints, the Panthers, and possibly others. Um, His market seems pretty slow, and it seems like um, he wants to make a decision, but teams aren't really ready to make a decision yet. So uh, what are your thoughts on Derek Carr's visit? Uh, I think he met with Woody Johnson, Robert Sala, and Joe Douglas. So he hit the trifecta again. Yeah, um, I, I was listening to, I want to say it was Scott Mason play like a Jet. I forget who he had on. Um, I did his show a couple weeks ago. We got to have him mm-hmm. on soon, by the way. Yeah, um, But he he had somebody on who said the opposite. They said that Carr kind of viewed this as his first shot at free agency, and as long as he was signed before the draft, he'd be happy. He was planning on dragging it out. He wanted to meet with every team, give everyone a yeah. chance to present their case. So I don't think Carr's in a rush at all. I think he's kind of enjoying the opportunity to do this because he's never done it before. Um, I saw one report, uh, I say report, I saw one tweet earlier saying that the Saints are the more anxious, like they want to get a deal done quickly, but Mm -hmm. who the hell knows? Everyone's out, everyone's out for clickbait. Everyone's out for fake headlines. And I know this, and I've heard that, you know, uh, every GM in the NFL was apparently checking in with Brandon Marshall this morning to get his latest update on what Aaron Rodgers was up to. So it's just kind of like, you know, listen, I think Aaron Rodgers loves the attention and Derek Carr is loving the opportunity to do this. That's why Aaron Rodgers goes on a podcast and says, I don't want to drag this out. And they say, what are you going to do? Uh, I'm going to drag it out for a little bit longer. So, I mean, come on. 
Rogers wants the attention. Carr wants the time to, to visit with everybody who's interested. Because, you know, these are two different guys in, in many different ways and in one way. And that one guy's never had much success because he's been on the worst defense in the NFL his whole career. So Derek Carr is probably enjoying sitting back and looking at rosters and looking at coaching staffs and going over philosophies. And, you know, I think the thing that hurts the Jets most is if he's looking at the the, the roadmap to the playoffs, right? Like the – who do you have to mm-hmm. beat to get to the playoffs? Well, do I want to compete with Josh Allen and really an up and coming Dolphins team? Um, or do I want to compete with the, you know, with the Carolina Panthers and and the and the Falcons and you know, these sort of teams that are probably a quarterback away from being able to take over their divisions? Um, so the Jets are probably the the toughest path in terms of competition, but they probably have the best defense. So he he's got he's got a lot to weigh. And Aaron Rodgers is enjoying, you know, enjoying the spotlight. So my thought is I was fed up with this a month ago. So um, I just want to, you know, I, I just want the team to make a decision and, and move forward. Hey, Derek Carr could go to the NFC South, but I heard the Panthers are looking at re-signing Sam Darnold. So look out. You you have competition there for sure. Uh, yeah. We have a comment here from Armand. I think the quarterback situation will be known by the 12th or 13th right before free agency or the legal tampering period uh, begins. And I think that's accurate. I think – Quarterbacks want to know that? their team. Well, I'm sorry. I thought Carr said he wanted to be able to recruit, so he wanted to. So I said the draft. It. I think he said before free agency. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's what I was. The point I was getting at is like, yeah, I said the quarterbacks draft. want to know. Agency. Yeah, they want to know what roster they're on before they start signing new players. Obviously, and the pull that a Derek Carr or even an Aaron Rodgers is going to have on some of the players, both current and free agent in the market, are go- is is significant. So that for the Jets, they want to get it done. Obviously, Derek Carr should want to get it done, and Aaron Rodgers hopefully will get it done. And, I mean, at this point, it seems like it's the Jets or Packers. I mean, based on the other teams that are kind of bowing out or not pursuing Rodgers, I know the Panthers supposedly called about him, but I don't know if they'll trade him inside the NFC. And so these are teams that of, are also – these are teams that are – like the Raiders, I believe the Raiders are out. They right. just don't have money. Yeah. Other teams, are they really out? Like how many teams – call the media to let them know who they're in on and who they're out on, you know? Exactly. It's, Once he's actually available publicly, I feel like the number of teams could be double digits and, and realistically should be double digits. And I saw the Dolphins were floated out as a potential landing spot. I think Kurt Benkert, a former teammate of Aaron Rodgers, yeah. mentioned the Jets and the Dolphins. So, I mean, cool. If he's plugged in enough and wants to say that publicly, that's fine. I mean, we've seen what happens when it's the Jets versus the Dolphins state taxes, sunny weather, it all kind of wins out. Um, But something that Aaron Rodgers did say that kind of ties into what you mentioned was there are six to eight teams every year, at least in his opinion, that are true contenders. And obviously you have your wild card, your wild teams that could be, you know, in the top 10 to 12 range that shoot up and surprise everybody. But realistically, it's six to eight teams every year. And I think, in my opinion, and this is kind of where my argument has been the whole time is like, with Aaron Rodgers, you look like one of those one to six teams or six to eight teams. I don't know if you are, but you look like it at least. With Carr, I feel like you're hoping to be the wild card team that shoots up and impresses everybody. That still can't happen because we haven't seen what Derek Carr can do with a full gambit of talent offensively and defensively. But I always just felt like that was where my argument lied. And I thought it was a good point that he brought up in that um in the in the podcast there. Like I said, if you want to go check it out, Aubrey Marcus's podcast. Um but to me, the Packers, they want to move to, to Jordan Love. It seems like it's written all over the walls. Like, I don't know if they're 
going to be the ones that say, hey, dude, we don't want you anymore, Aaron Rodgers. Like, we'll let you walk. I feel like it's such a – that's the unknown. And if Rodgers is going to give them the chance to bow out and say, no, we will move to Jordan Love, are the Packers willing to pull the trigger and actually say, we're going to move to Jordan Love? It's it's a tough decision to be to be put in. I thought we were going to have the answer by this time, you know, last week when we were on with Dom C, and unfortunately it didn't happen. So I'm going to double down and say by next podcast – we will have a quarterback. It's going to be March 9th next week. And I feel like if it's not next one, it's the week after it. I'm going to triple down if it's not. So we, we're coming to an end of this. I feel like at this point, I'm just so tired of exhausting all the options on Twitter. Like we know what it is and we're going to have to give up something for Rogers versus nothing for Carr. I get it. Like it's cool. And who knows what the compensation eventually will be. I think if there's a, a world where you get Aaron Rodgers and you don't give up the 13th pick, even if you give up, you know, the 40, whatever pick in the second round and a conditional first next year, like that's fine. I feel like that's the no brainer option, but it's all a lot of unknowns and and hopefully everything gets answered quickly. Um, it's funny. We started talking about combine rumors and we didn't talk about a single player at the combine, which I think is really funny, but we can get into a slight combine rumor. I don't really want to dive deep into it because we don't have all the answers and it's not, it's just, it's not for two dopey bloggers to sit here and speculate on what happened, but Jalen Carter did have to leave the uh, scouting combine in Indianapolis. He had to return to Georgia after two misdemeanor warrants were issued for his arrest, reckless driving and racing. And this is um, stemming from an event in, I believe, January of this year that took the life of a former teammate and a staff member of the Georgia football team. So just a really unfortunate situation. And I, we have to talk about it because he's not competing at the combine right now as the defensive linemen are on the field taking, uh, working out, but I'm, we're not going to sit here and, you know, Oh, he's guilty or oh, he's innocent and he should still be a first round pick or whatever it is. So I just wanted to mention it. If you have any thoughts about it, we can, we can kind of skip over that one. Yeah. It's, it's a, one I'm not really. No, I'm, really I'm, I'm of the belief that you do, you wait till there's till we know right now. It's exactly. just talking rumors and, and he's like, like, I hope he didn't do something stupid that caused it. That's all I'll say. Cause I don't know what happened. I don't, nobody knows what happened. That wasn't there. Exactly. I hope for everybody's sake that the truth does come forward and whatever happens from there happens from there. Um, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala met with the, the media this week. Um, obviously Joe Douglas is in person at the combine. Um, it was reported that the Jets coaching staff was not going to be at the combine. So Robert Sala was home. He did an interview from Forum Park uh, this afternoon said he had a stomach bug so maybe it's a good thing that he didn't go to the combine um did you happen to listen to them or have any takeaways because i had a couple takeaways that i, I can shoot off real quick um no real. I, I did listen to them um i listened to douglas i read salas um mm-hmm. the the biggest i was surprised how bullish they were on dwayne brown i thought there'd be a little more uncertainty there they sound like they really like they're all in on having him back yeah um which is fine it just surprised me a little um the the one thing and this isn't even it wasn't this wasn't something that came as a surprise at all it was 100 percent expected but it was a, a, something i thought was worth talking about because of how we saw the panthers do it with sam darnold um and what the packers might have to do with jordan love and that's the uh the fifth year option on these first round picks now of course they mm-hmm. said they haven't decided on becton you wouldn't expect them to exercise it on becton um because they have to do it before this season takes place and right. they'll have seen nothing from him in a couple of years. But there was there is a part of me that wonders, 
even with the little bit that Becton has shown or the little time he's played, he's shown he, he's shown he can be a dominant player. Um, I'm wondering, do they do they consider it and say, listen, what this guy will cost us as a free agent if he blows up this year and we don't we don't put the uh, 50 year option? Yeah. Um, you may have to franchise him or give him a huge contract. Like basically, will it save you money in the long run to, to basically gamble on his health? If mm-hmm. they look at, I mean, you look at Makai Becton, you know, we didn't see an image of him for a year and now he's tweeting out pictures every 10 minutes. He looks like a damn power forward. I can't Slim wait for him to get back on the field. Yeah. And if the Jets are happy with him and they say, you know what, we think he's going to be healthy. We're going to gamble on the fact he will. And like, I don't think they'll exercise the option, but I don't think it's a 0% chance. Um, the more I look at him, I'm like, if they're sitting around the table and looking at him and thinking, we know what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. And if we don't tag him and he's a free agent after year four, you're looking at, you know, top dollar. Um, and, and really it's similar again, that like the Packers with Jordan love, if, if Rogers does come back and they don't deal him, like do you, do GMs and front offices start exercising 50 year options to basically get a one year look? Um, and say, look, maybe we'll be wrong, and maybe we'll pay the guy $18 million and he'll leave, but we would rather that than have him leave as a free agent and blow up somewhere else, and we develop it and someone else gets gets to take advantage of that. So, like I said, I don't think they're going to exercise Becton's option, but with as good as he's looking, if they feel like he'll be ready and if the medical team – because remember, an, an important part of the Becton injury, for those who don't recall, um, it was said be, before he got injured this year, like before camp kicked off, um, was it Dr. Cho who does the, you know, the injury analysis on Twitter. They mm-hmm. said that a re-injury to that knee because of the way the surgery is done is likely or, you know, uh, is more likely yeah, than it without the surgery. And he got the exact injury they predicted. Well, now he's had another full year to recover from that. So if they sit down and go, look, he's healed up from both surgeries. No reason to expect re-injury. We think, and if he's dropped all this weight, we think he'll be fine. Did the Jets say, look, let's let's roll the dice and exercise the fifth year and maybe get a, a, a discount in year five if he's playing well rather than play, paying top dollar if he if he plays well and has a chance to hit free agency. Yeah, I think when you look at the on-field body of work with Makai Becton, it's an obvious no that you would give you wouldn't pay him a fifth year option. But when you look at all the the selfies he's posting from the gym asking if you've worked out today, I mean I think that's encouraging signs. One to his work ethic, two to like where his mind is at and like he's really ready to take football to the next level and really like become an NFL football player. So I think for those reasons, you could easily make the case to pay Mekhi Becton a fifth year option. The fact that they're now fully guaranteed contracts kind of makes me a bit hesitant, especially in this offensive tackle market. But like you said, if they take the gamble and they don't pay him, that uh, this year they go into his fourth year. He, he does well. It doesn't necessarily ball out, but does well enough where he's healthy for, you know, let's say 15 games. He was a starter for most of them and he played well enough where you want to see what he has in the future. That price tag has now just shot up a lot. And I think the giants are seeing that with Daniel Jones, obviously a completely different set of circumstances with Daniel Jones, but he wasn't very encouraging his first few years and they didn't pick up his fifth year option. So now they're kind of on the hook of now Daniel Jones wants 40 to $45 million. And I know the offensive tackle market isn't that substantial, but I mean, Makai Becton could be a $20 million offensive tackle if he blows up this year, happens to make a Pro Bowl, even as an alternate or whatever, you know, has a very good year. 
I tweeted it out, 2023 comeback player of the year. And I know that's a long shot for offensive tackles. But, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's missed two full seasons. If he comes back and plays 15, 16, 17 games, his name should be there in that that realm of I should be comeback player of the year for sure. So, yeah, I'm very torn on it. Right now I say no. Um, but I'm also very, I don't know, the the worries about the offensive tackle position lately have really just kind of subsided a little bit for me. I mean, I've, I'm a big Dwayne Brown supporter. I know that the coaching staff is. I didn't think they were this much until they both came out and said something about it. But I was always like, let's get Dwayne Brown back. He's still under contract. I understand his deal is a little extensive. I think it's like 10 or $11 million cap hit. But if you, especially if you bring in a car or Rogers, like he came back, he came to the jets after Mekhi Becton got hurt and he saw a, a, a future with this team, at least in the, in the short term. So like, he's obviously going to think that when you get an established veteran quarterback under, under center. So Dwayne Brown to me is somebody I'm not really worried about. His injury was freakish. He played all season with it. Whatever it was, they keep saying like he shouldn't have played the season on it. And I don't think it's going to affect his future. And that's why he did it. So to have him back full strength, I'm not really too worried about it. Um, obviously, I know he has his weird rest days during the year, but that's to be expected with veteran players. I did want to mention this. Um, Joe Douglas did open his press conference with a joke. He said, I know you're all going to ask me about the safeties. And I immediately just wrote in all capital letters, Brian Branch at 13 or Christopher Smith at 42 or 43. And I just thought it was really funny that he mentioned safeties because one, the Jets need a safety. Two, there's some damn good ones at the top of this draft in the you know first, second, third round, that top 100 range. And I don't know. I'm not sold on offensive tackle at 13, so I could see Brian Branch being the pick at 13. Um, he gave his normal GM speak about no quarterback timetable. He's respecting everybody's process. Salah echoed the same thing. Everybody's in wait and see mode. That's obvious on Aaron Rodgers. We know that that's about. Um, flipping over to Robert Sala's uh, press conference, he talked about the new offensive staff coming in, mainly the knowledge that they had with quarterbacks that are expected to be available or are already available. Um, he did mention, though, that Todd Downing is kind of going to be the Greg Knapp role. Um, I don't know if that's exactly going to be – I know Todd Downing, he's the pass game coordinator. So I don't know if that's not quarterbacks coach. Obviously that's Calabrese. And I feel like Greg Knapp was more a senior advisor quarterbacks coach, but if they're going to do the same type of role, that's fine. I do think it's kind of nice that every time Rob solid does say Knapp's name, he just God rest his soul. Every time I just, I find that so cool. I mean, it just shows how, how tight knit they actually were. Um, not really much else from him. I wanted to touch on Makai Beckton. I'm glad you brought it up. And I wanted to ask you this question. I'm going to give you four options. I want you to rank them, just loosely rank them, how worried you are about them. And it's all offensive tackles. Uh, we'll start with Dwayne Brown, Makai Beckton, Max Mitchell, and a rookie at 13. Can you just loosely rank them as how worried you'd be if they had to start week one? You're muted. You're muted. Yeah, rookie at 13. I'm assuming we're talking about the guys that we believe are worthy of being. Only, yes. Yeah, so I'd say Skaronsky, Parrish yeah. Johnson, Broderick Jones, not even Dewan Jones. No, right. no, no, Anton Harrison. None of those guys. No, just the top. Um, three. Well, I mean, I guess I'll start. The, the one that were, would worry me the least is Becton, because um, if he's starting, I'm assuming he's healthy. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he can be an absolute monster there. I mm -hmm. think uh, I, I would I would say. 
it'd be a toss up between between Dwayne Brown and, and a guy like Skaronsky or mm-hmm. or any of the other top three or four guys at tackle. I I think three or four of those guys are ready to go now. I think there's guys that aren't being talked about who are going to be ready to go. I think uh, I think who's it? Kuiper just mocked uh, what uh, Harrison, I believe. Anton Harrison, yeah, Oklahoma uh, offensive about tackle, a bit, who's largely been sort of talked about as a second round guy. Yep. Um, but there are some other guys like um, you got Wright in Tennessee, who I think is a good player, um, and he plays both sides, Darnell Wright. So I I wouldn't mind seeing him. But again, he's not going to go at eleven. Um, right. But he's still. He's still a really good player who, like I said, he's played the left and the right. So I wouldn't mind that. But the, the biggest worry to me would be Max Mitchell. I like him. He did a nice job last year. But um, he's far from a finished product, and he's not a guy who's played a ton of left tackle as a pro. So he would worry me the most. Um, Becton I'd be the most comfortable with. And then mm-hmm. second, third, you can flip, interchange. Because uh, Brown, again, is, you know, as once you enter this age, like at what point do you lose a step or a big enough mm-hmm. step? that it's going to impact you. Like you might say he did a solid job this year, which he did, but maybe he loses a half a step. And then you come into camp this year, or, you know, week one, and you're like, Oh, he's lost a step now. And now he's not that same guy anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Becton would be my first choice, a healthy Becton starting and then give me a rookie at 13 or Brown. And then Max Mitchell would be my, the least desirable option. I think he's a nice backup. I think if he's going to start, I'd rather it be on the right side. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with that. I'd actually just flip flop. Dwayne Brown and Mekhi Becton. Obviously, if he's 100% healthy, Mekhi Becton should be the better option. Um, until further notice, I'm just going to put Dwayne Brown slightly ahead of him. Plus, he's the left tackle only type of player. So I could see a situation where it's like Dwayne Brown, left tackle, Mekhi Becton, right tackle. And that's cool, too. I'm, I'm very okay with that. And yeah, Mekhi Becton. So him and the rookie at 13 would be that B tier to me. And then Max Mitchell. I'm not like completely worried about, but I think Jets fans got a little overboard about how good he actually is. He started a couple games. He did well. He didn't, you know, he outperformed his fourth round pick status, but I don't think you're muted again. I just don't think that he, that he like played that well where it's like, okay, now we can think about him being a offensive tackle or right tackle yeah. starter. I think he's a he swing did a tackle. nice job and, and especially for his draft slot. So you're very happy with it. Yeah. But I think, you know, you know, I, I try to I know in years past I was guilty of it. I've tried to get better about jumping the gun on these guys. Like we see a guy play a couple of solid games and we just kind of assume like, oh, great, we got to find this guy's a future starter. Like pump the brakes. Yeah. He might be. I'm not saying he won't. Just saying we haven't seen We've seen enough that he's shown he can compete and mm-hmm. let's see him get better. Um, and, and if he does, that's I mean, we talked about how great this draft class was and, you know, hopefully he's a part of it. Um, and that's yeah. someone just asked in the chat what's going on with Mitchell. Um, just yeah, just what you said in the question. They asked, they mentioned the blood clots, but mm-hmm. um, we've you know we've seen guys come back from that in the past. So, and I think the Jets have said they expect them to be you know ready to go at some point, and um, that's that's kind of what we're all expecting. Um, someone else asked if the Jets if we think the Jets have met with the Ravens or talked with the Ravens about Jackson. No word on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I like I said, I'd be really surprised if the Jets in their current position, um, if Woody or the Jets are saying, let's let's go pay fifty million to this guy who's just missed a, a huge chunk of time in the last two years. Yeah, I mean, if he's available and the Jets are serious contenders, I think he would be number one on my board. Don't get me wrong, but I just think that there's too much meat left on the bone between him and Baltimore where they're both going to want to work a deal out. And I know the NFLPA is working with Lamar as like a pseudo agent because Lamar represents himself. 
and they stand firm on like he should get more in guarantees and everything like that than Deshaun Watson did last year. And, you know, we can sit up here and have a separate argument whether Deshaun Watson was, you know, deserving of that money. But like if a team pays you that money, like a team pays you that money. So what is Deshaun Watson going to do now? Nah, can we just like adjust that, make it a little less? No, like now that kind of screwed up the quarterback market. Let's be honest. And Lamar Jackson is going to try to, you know, take full advantage of that. And he's going to try to get all those guarantees. I want it to happen. I would love for it to happen. It's not my money. So I don't care if Woody Johnson has to, you know, put $200 million aside for Lamar Jackson, but I just, I don't see it being a realistic option. And uh, if we're still holding on to hope, it's probably 1%. If that. It, it reminds me of the way it reminds me of what Al Davis did with the corner market when they gave uh Namdi Musaga, whatever. Oh, I can't remember right, his name. right. Yeah, they gave yes. him all that money. So then Rebus was like, "Well, I need to be the top paid guy." And yep, the Jets, yep. like, if I'm the Jets, I'm saying, "Look, we're not, we're not adjusting our offer based on a lunatic owner who yeah. grossly overpaid for a guy." Um, you know, and that that's what happens though. It just takes one owner to screw up the whole market. Um, Jacoby Brissett better than Rodgers. I would disagree with that, Matthew, in the chat there. Yeah, sorry about uh, that. That's, I don't that's think a it's hard quite April Fool, so I'm not sure what's going on with that comment, but um, chalk me yeah. up in the disagree column. Um, so, yeah, it, it, one one player can mess up the market. That's kind of what happened with Deshaun Watson. Um, and like I said, the, the guaranteed money that's being thrown, that's being discussed, you know, we don't, you know, we, we've seen some of the, some of the, uh, the, the, the media say, well, we don't know. We don't know that it's 50. Okay. Well, assuming it's 40 or 50, because no one knows what it is except Lamar and the Ravens. Right. So do we just not talk about it ever until he signs or can we talk about what's being speculated? Um, and if it's 40, 50, that's, that's absolutely nuts. And I uh, wouldn't do it. Yeah. There's actually an article, I believe it was Andrew Brandt put out an article about how the quarterback uh, market isn't as, detrimental to the cap as other teams um, or as like, you know, the public perception is and like, it's still workable with like all these quarterback contracts. And I don't know, like I see those contracts, like the big contracts, like Deshaun Watson's about to hit for like 40 something on the cap. And I just don't see it. I don't know how you can possibly put together the rest of your roster and go compete when you got one single guy taking up a lot of cap space. Well, Damian Woody said it a few years ago in a tweet, and I think he's right. Like, when he said it, I was like, oh, that's a little bit crazy. And then over the years, I've been like, I always remember it. I'm like, he might be right about that. And mm-hmm. Damian Woody said, he said, quarterbacks need a separate salary cap. Like, you can't. If if you have to pay a guy $50 million, if that's what it's going to take, you got now you got to pay the other 52 guys. And yeah. and 25% of your salaries, your cap space is gone on one dude. Um, and mm-hmm. you just it, – it's not uh, – it's not doable. And uh, thank you, uh, Finger Lakes. Apparently, the the, the brilliant Brissett over Rogers is a comment, <laughs> comment from Matthew. Matt, you know what else they say? Matthew wins. They don't get any of those. They can have those another year. So you save yourself money, draft picks, and wins if you get I was I was just about to say, I don't know if the Jets should be in the mindset of saving a ton of things in – for the future. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying mortgage the future by any chance, but uh, I've seen multiple, you know, draft experts coming out and saying that this is a somewhat down year in terms of talent first round. It's not as heavy as it has been in other years. I wouldn't be surprised if they get, well, I mean, if they get Aaron Rodgers, they'll probably stick and pick at 13 if they have it. But if they get like a Derek Carr and they want to move down from 13 and get more picks and, you know, next year, that's okay. But like, I just, I don't see, 
them saving all this thing for the future that realistically Joe Douglas and Rob Sala might not even be here for. No, their window is now. They're not in now. Anything yes. mode, you know, this, and it's don't think about 2025 quarterback thing. People keep, yeah. you know, I, I, I can't believe that people are honestly saying like, Oh, maybe quarterback at 13. It's no, 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 it's, no. And, and, and I'm always really, you know, I'm always really, you know, I'm always really careful about being too like, you know, like I know this and I know the answer to that. And I'm going to tell, like, I give my opinion. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. Yeah. But I'm as sure of no quarterback at 13 as I am of anything I've ever said about this team. Like this team's got to win now. They mm -hmm. don't have, there's no quarterback in this draft who you can look at and say, this dude's coming in and taking us to the playoffs. And I know there's not a playoff mandate and there shouldn't be, but there is a, unspoken this team better make some damn noise this year mm -hmm. mandate exactly and you don't do that by bringing in a guy who's never taken an nfl snap it's just it's not happening it is not yeah. i would bet my next paycheck that it's not quarterback at 13 now if as you said if they trade down from 13 to 20 and somebody falls and they've added an extra second yeah yeah maybe but no so stop not happening it's funny some people and i'm not saying everybody but some people i do see that grab a quarterback at 13. I'm literally preaching the opposite. Pray that a quarterback falls to 13 and then a team does what the bears did two yeah, years ago for Justin Fields. Up. They came up from 11 to 20. They gave the giants a future one and they got their quarterback. I want that to happen. I want Anthony that, Richardson that's gonna to have, See, I don't have the draft order in front of me, but that's only happening if there's a team at 14 or 15 that needs a quarterback. Cause New England and green Bay, I know are the two directly after us. And I was thinking, Green yeah. Bay's going with love if they have him. I was I know that it's this is kind of far back, but maybe the Saints. But that's that's from like 30 or like 29 or whatever it was that they got from Denver, which is through Miami, through San Francisco. Yeah. That pick has been turned over quite a bit. Um I saw another comment in here. It actually was from Finger Lakes. Uh if your biggest issues are below average safety and thin at linebacker, but you get a good quarterback, you should be fine. Chiefs won with a rookie secondary because they have a stud quarterback. And I think that goes along with everything we've kind of been saying, like, yes, there are holes in the boat that you need to plug, like some much more major than others. But once you solve the quarterback issue, you can let some holes go in the boat because you have essentially people bucketing water faster than the water's coming in to your boat. So a quarterback kind of masks all those, you know, flaws. Yeah. You just don't want as many flaws play, on offense. I feel like you want to sure up their offensive line a little bit. You don't have to spend, you know, their first three picks on offensive line, but maybe get an offensive lineman, a, a weapon, and then you go plug the holes on defense in the draft. I feel like that should be the philosophy with any quarterback they get. Yep, yep. But uh, we ready to get into some draft? Some, uh, oh, some oh hell yeah. We're, we're right guys. at the halfway point. We've got to get into the draft it, draft talk. Um, like we said, they're on TV right now. If you're tuning in to us and the Combine, we appreciate it. We're going to talk about our defensive guys. Um, I'll let you start it off. Um, I guess we'll go edge and D tackle separate. Um, I know we had Dom on last week, so we kind of streamlined all the positions, but we now have a little bit more time. We can separate them. Edge, D tackle, linebacker, corner, safety. So you kick it off with uh, your edge guys. Um, hang on. I'm going to pull them up here. Mm -hmm. I got uh, I was on the wrong page. Here we go. Oh, hold on. Real quick before we get into this, this is a draft-related uh, question. What about the reports from insiders that the Jets are looking up to trade to trade up in the draft to get Stroud? 
Um, I haven't seen no. the report. I'm not saying it's not true. Um, it's if not it true. is true, I hope it's not true because I don't want them to trade up. Um, CJ Stroud would be my preferred quarterback, though. We discussed that last week on our offensive guys with Dom C. If you guys want to go check that out after the show, I mean, he's a good quarterback. He's a, he's what my quarterback one, but I still don't don't trade up and don't even take him at thirteen. Get your quarterback in the next week or two, like we talked about earlier. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead with your edge. All right, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a few names and uh, they. Uh... Two of them, let's see, yeah, two of the three I'm going to butcher, but uh, that's life, uh, so it goes. And one of them, obviously, we talked about, he's tearing it up right now at the Combine. Uh, Tamiwa Adabawari out of Northwestern, yep. I've discussed him several times on the show. I think he's a guy that, well, I, I know that, you know, for me personally, I was watching Northwestern Ohio State earlier this year, or, um, sorry, TCU. No, yeah, he's, he's Northwestern, Northwestern Edge yep. against Ohio State. Um, and he just, he was living in the backfield and I'm, I'm watching this going, you know, you know, Ohio state's just stacked on the O line always, you know, he's facing NFL prospects because everyone on Ohio state's O line goes to the NFL and he, he was just killing them. He was, he was unblockable. Um, and I was like, I, I literally haven't heard this guy's name mentioned ever, you know, at any point leading up to the draft. Um, and then we started hearing his name. He got the, he got the, the senior bowl invite. And then Jim Nagy started tweeting a lot about him, saying that, you know, this guy could get some second-round love and blah, 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 blah. And now I think with his performance he's having right now at the Combine, I think he might enter the conversation as a first-rounder. Um, again, when I – and even now, I don't think PFN updates their their rankings that often. Mm-hmm. They've got him at 97 now. I'm, I'm pretty sure that when I first looked at him, he was in the hundreds. Um, yeah. But now he's one of their top 100 picks um, uh, or prospects. Another guy, Zach Harrison, who is an Ohio State product, is it a guy that I really like? He uh, he moves well, long-limbed guy uh, who's going to play on the edge for you. And um, another guy, you know, who's – I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned him in some previous tweets. Uh, Habakkuk Baldonado, Pitt. Um, mm-hmm. You remember, Dylan, and I've said it a few times when I messaged yep. you last year and said this Pitt front seven is just – they just have so many good players. Um, and it was Baldonado. It was Cansey. It was Dennis. It was all these guys up front for them. Um, and he's a guy I think who can play a little bit inside, a little bit outside. Um, not, not, not the most explosive guy, but good enough to beat you on the edge. Um, and he's, he can, you know, cause trouble up the middle, good all around player. Again, I thought he would get a, an invite to the, to the, uh, the senior bowl, but he wasn't there. I think he was at the East West shrine. Um, Yaya Diaby, we've talked about quite a bit. Yeah, He's a guy who plays a little bit all over the place. And uh, one more I wanted to mention. I honestly, actually, yeah, I, I did. I don't know if I mentioned him on the show. David Perales, um, Fresno State D lineman, um, played side and yeah. outside. They list him as an edge, he's, but he's, he's played both. He, he must have had five, four or five batted ball, batted passes at the line of scrimmage this year. Um, just kept seeing him do that. Like you don't realize how rare that is. So when you see a guy do it yeah. three times, four times, five times, um, so good all around player. Keeps his eyes in the backfield. Um, kind of like, you know, uses long limbs to block up passing lanes so he can affect the game without getting to the quarterback. I like him a lot. Um, The second name you mentioned, that was Zach Harrison, Ohio State, correct? Yeah. Okay, Dwayne Brugler an hour ago. I'm told Ohio State Zach Harrison suffered a minor hamstring strain and unfortunately isn't working out, but he does plan to go through full testing at his pro day. So I I saw that. I remembered seeing that at work, and I was like, oh, Zach Harrison, you just – so just quick. They had another. They, Ohio State had somebody blow up the forty. Then I thought it was Harrison, but they have so many guys there. That's, he might have heard it after 
after, and he doesn't isn't doing the on field workouts. I'm not quite sure. Oh, did he, oh, so he so he did start doing drills. I I believe I think okay, that's I what he's saying. Bruce sent that out hours ago before the combine. No, okay, one hour ago. Gotcha. One hour. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. he probably and, did have a good forty. And according to NFL.com, out of Buare, they have him graded as a six point one two. I'm not exactly sure how their scale works, but it says underneath good backup with the potential to develop into starter. So yeah, I hope that he's with it. I think he's definitely a top 100 guy at this point. I mean, he was blown up at the combine and when D- Daniel Jeremiah starts talking to Rich Eisen about you on the NFL network, you know, your name starts generating a lot of buzz. And I think when it's all said and done, he'll probably be a third round prospect for sure. But he yeah, was just I, insane, I know that, um, insane numbers. I know none of these guys can be perfect, but uh, NFL.com, I remember when there was Sam Donald comp was Andrew Luck. So, I think, oh yeah, I think and that, and I don't know how their grade system works. I don't know what the, the grain is all, but yeah, and he might be. He looks all yeah. these guys might be. A, every guy I mentioned might be a bust. I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows. Exactly. I'm guessing. We watch people play football. We go. I like the way that guy plays football, and that's it. Right. Yeah, we have our biases and our what we look for in certain positions, and whether it you know matches up with what teams think. It it, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, we have fun. Um, yep. All right, my guys. I was going to mention Adebori, but I knew for sure you were going to mention him. So Felix Anandike Uzama, Kansas State, is another guy that we've mentioned. Uh, Trevor yes. Sikama from PFF took a video of him at the podium, and he talked about um, how he sets up his pass rush moves on offensive tackles every game. He said, my go-to move is to beat him with power early to see if he's weak. And then he starts with a long-arm move to see if he can handle it and then works around it from there. And I thought – Damn, dude, that's such a nuanced answer from a young prospect who's never really, you know, done anything at like a, a very high level. I know this year he had a very good season, but like this guy isn't like, you know, a, a five year veteran. And that's something I would expect from a five year veteran to say. So I thought that was really cool from him. I, I like I like his bend um, kind of a theme with all my guys here at edge uh, is bend um, BJ Ojolari. Definitely another person I've talked about before on the podcast. I currently have him ranked inside my top five edge rushers. I think it's like Will Anderson, Keon White, um, Tyree Wilson, and then I have B.J. Ojolari over Lucas Van Ness, and I know that that might be considered a hot take. But um, I was in a, a Q&A forum, and I asked Connor Rogers um, what his thoughts were about B.J. Ojolari, and it wasn't even from a Jets perspective. It was just, hey, I had eyes on Ojolari and Van Ness, and I wasn't really sure what to think. What are your thoughts? And he immediately said that Ojolari would eat in Robert Sala's system. I wasn't even sure that he would be a fit. I feel like he's kind of a stand-up 3-4 outside linebacker. But if he could put on a little bit of weight and be a 3-4 end for us, I think that's amazing. So I wasn't expecting that answer whatsoever. And so to have somebody, you know, who's done this before the draft, I consider Connor a draft expert for BR. I mean, He's been doing it for about 10 years. So for him to say Ojolari over Van Ness and kind of confirm that for me was really cool. I like BJ Ojolari a lot. And then my third guy, Byron Young, he ran a 4-4-3-40. And I, I mean, I'm not going to like pound the table for a guy just because he runs fast in the 40. It just kind of confirms the bias or, you know, confirms what I saw on tape about him. And that's his explosiveness and his bend and his ability to get to the pass rusher. And just watching him line up for the 40, I feel like you get a really good glimpse of their body type because they're in, you know, you know, form-fitting clothes. It's all muscle shirts and, and shorts and whatnot. And he's just got a long, slender build. And I can just see him 
across from, you know, a Michael Clemens or a Jermaine Johnson and just really wreaking havoc for this Jets defense. And I feel like if they want to go younger on, on the edge positions, any of these guys, I mean, I'm pounding the table for. So, all right, let's move on. Defensive tackles, the big guys in the middle, obviously. Um, Quinton Williams needs to get a new contract. That should happen quicker than they should sign a quarterback, in my opinion. But uh, defensive tackle, who you got there, Glenn? Uh, I'm not, I actually did a, uh, a quick sort of combine sleeper, some lesser-known guys uh, article about, I don't know, a couple hours ago. And uh, one of the names I threw on there that I've mentioned uh, throughout the season is um, Oklahoma State. Uh, defensive tackle Tyler Lacey. Uh, he supposedly mm-hmm. checks in at 280, 290. Um, primarily tackle, lines up outside a little bit. Really strong guy, uses his hands well. Didn't have a ton of sacks, but he was a disruptive guy. Another guy who had, had uh, quite a few batted balls, as far as I can recall. Um, like I said, lines up inside and out. Strong dude. Dante Stills, West Virginia, who I think had a really good start to the combine. I saw his name mentioned earlier. Um, I was tweeting out about him last year. Loved his motor, loved his strength. Um, made a lot of plays for that team, you know, made some plays in big spots, like clearly a guy the the juices get flowing when the when the game is on the line. So sort of a big time playmaker there. Um, and like I said, I'm pretty sure he had himself a nice start to the uh, to his day out in Indy. A um, couple other guys, Nesta J. Silvera, who I've mentioned a few times, a real presence in the middle, big dude. P.J. Mustafer, um, Penn State. He mm-hmm. He's kind of classed as those guys, you know, I've mentioned a few times now, Dylan, guys who I really liked last year and just kind of forgot about because I'm trying to watch 5,000 players at once. Um, And I turned on Penn state a few weeks ago. I forget who I was watching and they're showing the lineups. I was like, Oh my God, Mustafa. I forgot he, cause I thought he was going to come out last year. I I liked him. I had a lot of his clips um, and he didn't come out and, um, and he played like literally, you know, one of the first plays of the game completely had a dominant rep up front. And I was like, all right, you know, he's still looking good, still looking like a player. Um, so he was one and, uh, Kobe Wooden from Auburn was, is another guy who, uh, seems like he can be a difference maker, you know, um, explosive quick guy up the middle. Um, you see him, you know, you see him shoot the gaps. He, he beats guys to the a gap quite a bit. And, uh, I, I forget his exact numbers, but I watched one of his games the other day. He played really well as a reminder. And of course my guy, Kalijah Kansi, who I've mentioned many times throughout mm-hmm. the year, he's probably the highest rated guys. I have this thing, like I, I notice every year. When I start watching prospects, I start with like number 700, like the top hundred. I feel yeah, like yeah. I'm going to hear about those guys all year long from every draft funded on the net. I'll look at those guys over the last month of the season. Like, but I spend so much of the season looking at guys probably starting from the UDFA level and working my way up. Right. Yeah. Um, that's why like, like today, you know, of, you know, of course I watch. you know, you, you can't not see some Georgia, some Ohio state, but today was the first time, and I don't know how long that I was like, let me turn on a Georgia game. And, um, and you know, great players in that game. And they were playing uh, Kentucky, and I saw some some really some really good stuff out of Manning, the guard I've talked about there. So, uh, yeah, um, Yasir Abdullah, who I mentioned in that article. Not surprising. Best time, 4-5-7. He was in my top it's five early, yeah. article that I just mentioned. He's, I mean, he's been one of my guys all year, too. I should have mentioned him with the edge players. Yeah. Um, telling you, I don't know if you ever got around to it, but watch that game against Pitt, man. He was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. One of the best performances yeah, got, to see a player ever have. I got it. I finally have to, you know, just sit down and watch him and Yaya fully just go through all the games that I can find on Louisville. Yeah. Um, 
shout out by the way i'm because we're going to use his clips eventually on this podcast i just feel it caddy's cut ups shout out to him his patreon amazing just subscribe to it i recommend everybody subscribe to it yeah and change i signed up feelings. yesterday so i'm just waiting for my email that three-day wait process in order to get the get the link of confirmation to to get into the database was the longest wait of my life but once i got in there i was like all right this is game changing i immediately started going in watching all these cornerbacks that you can't you can't watch tv copies of i went back devon witherspoon who i'm kind of spoiling a little bit but caddy's cut-ups patreon best 24 dollars a year you'll spend on any football related content my defensive tackles, um, Keanu Benton, Wisconsin. I've talked about him, I feel like, four weeks in a row, but I just have to. I think he's the guy that at the Senior Bowl really opened my eyes. Of all the interior guys, defensive and offensive, wasn't really impressed with some of the guards and ta- uh, centers that he went up against. But I I want to say it was the Troy guy, Jake Andrews, at, at Senior Bowl. He just went up, up to him and just smacked him, and his helmet just spun right around in a one-on-one rep. Just heavy hands, ass and legs guy. I, I started watching his tape. I think he's probably going to end up being a second-round guy. I'm hoping he slips to the third round, but I feel like he's kind of the John Michael Schmitz where it's like, oh, the cat's out of the bag with this guy, and now he's really on everybody's radar, and that sweet spot guy to get in your second, third-round mock is always Keanu Benton. So for me, I hope the Jets land him. Obviously, I can understand why they don't. And then my second defensive tackle – Somebody that I haven't really done a dive on, but I know he's at the the combine. He had a 33-inch vertical. I watched him do one of the pass rush drills, and I didn't even have the, the laptop on. It was on mute. But the way he slapped the bags, he just knew that there was a pop in his hands, and that's Moro Ojimo from Texas. Um, kind of a little bit of bias for me because I – like watching a lot of Texas tape. I feel like if I see a team that plays Texas that year, I'm going to watch the Texas tape. I know they're not loaded with talent on offense or defense, but they have really good talent. And if I can watch, you know, any Bijan or Roshan, I mean, that's always good. And a little bit of Quinn Ewers here and there is always good too. But Moro Ojimo is a guy that I'm excited for defensive tackle. I don't have his measurables, uh, confirmed measurables on me, but, uh, I, I think he's a sleeper, probably fifth round, like late, late guy. So I don't hear anybody's buzz, you know, about him. But I, if I'm the first one to talk about Mora Ojimo, that's fine. Um, all right, let's get into linebackers. Just threw up an Ojimo clip there if you want to clip that. Oh, perfect. I didn't see it. I was looking at the other screen. It's the problem of having three screens right now trying to operate. Got a hand up. That's the pass down coming off yep. the outside. And that's fourth down, too. Pass. That's great. Him and uh, there's another D lineman, uh, Keandre Coburn. They were they were getting some some buzz at the combine from DJ. So Texas, I mean, they're not you know loaded with talent, but they have a good amount of you know mid tier talent that does get drafted. All right, linebackers. I know where this is going. Well, um, since you're talking about Texas, I'll start with Demarvin on Overshone. Perfect. Yep. Um, the converted safety. Um, I forget which game it was. Was it Oklahoma? I forget. I, I threw on a Texas game last year, and I think within the first sort of two series, he made. He had a blocked punt. He had a sack. He had a tackle for loss. And I was like, all right, I'm taking notes on this dude. Like, literally just impact play, impact play, impact play. Um, and then once you say he's converted safety, he moves well. He wears a million wristbands all up and down his body. I'm not sure what that's all about. But it makes it easy to find him on the field, so that was kind of convenient. 
Um, yeah, but the Marvion Overshone, a guy that I really like at linebacker. Um, you know, we don't have to uh, – I don't think I have to say any more about Dan Henley. Um, he's sort of been one of my top guys from week one. Um, well, maybe two or three. Um, of course, my guy Winman is going back to college, so Overshone is the guy, probably the the guy that I, st- I talked about most this year. Um, Drew Sanders is going to be a monster. It's hard to say my guy when it's somebody that, like, it's a first rounder. Like, anyone who's watched him has got to love him or you're crazy. Um, Ivan Pace, we've talked about quite a bit at Cincinnati. Guy lived in opposing backfields. Size was a little bit of a concern, but at the Senior Bowl in the game, we saw him shed blockers with ease who were much bigger than him. Um, a guy who I probably haven't talked about enough in terms of how much I like him, Jack Campbell, Iowa. I know I've talked about him, but he's right up there to me with Henley, with Overshone. Um, he's a guy who's just – I thought he was much better this year against the pass. I mean, he wasn't bad against the pass last year. And then a later round guy, um, Jeremy Banks, um, who I think had himself a nice start to the combine. I think I saw his name down earlier for um, for for one of the drills. And um, like I said, he's a, a Tennessee product who I'm sure I've mentioned during the year. And um, I guess I'll, I'll leave it at that. I mean, if you let me, man, I'll, I'll, I'll mention 20 linebackers. Um, but I was going to say, it's kind of your position is linebackers. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I, I think I think they're the best athletes on the field, and the good ones are so much fun to watch. Um, I'll, I'll leave it with that group, but there are some really good ones. Yeah, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Jeremy Banks would just ran his 40, and he stumbled a little bit. I'm not sure if it was him. I could, I'm could. i kind of loosely paying attention to that. But, um, yeah, I, I figured you were going to come with a lot of linebacker names, so I tried to pick a couple – one that I don't think I've talked about on this podcast yet. He was a senior bowl guy, Cam Jones from Indiana. Uh, I think the last time I checked, and I don't really look at the rankings of PFF, PFN, whatever. I'm not a huge mock draft guy at this stage of the game, but um, he was in like the 200s, and I don't understand that. Cam Jones, Indiana, I thought he was very good at the senior bowl. Impressed me. I mean, a lot of the linebackers stood out, but I don't think he did anything that's like, oh no, like he's a seventh round guy. He could probably be a fourth or fifth round guy. It just depends on, I guess, yeah. flavor with uh, linebackers. Um, yeah, I'm not going to mention Dayon Henley, but I'm going to mention Dayon Henley, another guy who's expected to be a combine guy, really uh, explosive athlete. And then the last guy is another senior bowl guy, but that's really all I've seen as far as the linebackers. And that's Dorian Williams. Um, I think he could be that C.J. Mosley type replacement. I know they have Jamie and Sherwood kind of waiting in the wings, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Jamie and Sherwood's stopping you from drafting somebody who could potentially be better than Jamie and Sherwood. So uh, for me, uh, Dorian Williams, Tulane, um, he did really good in the cover drills, uh, the pass protection drills versus the running backs. I thought he was really, really athletic. Um, heard he's going to fly at the combine, which I think is really interesting. I love linebackers that are fast. I know they're kind of becoming a smaller mold of linebackers. And I know some teams don't like that, but I kind of prefer those six foot guys that can play sideline to sideline and still really pack a punch when they hit. So Dorian Williams is a guy for me that I really like. Um, Now we get into a position that I think the Jets will not draft, but I still wait. Hang on. Hang on. I couldn't get a linebacker that easy. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. That's true. One, one that I mentioned a lot during the year. um, And I forgot to throw one again. Only because I, I saw him mentioned the other day as like someone saying what, what we've been saying on the show is it sort of an under the radar guy Isaiah Moore North Carolina 
Uh, yes. or NC State. NC State, he's, yeah. He's dealt with some injuries. Um, but another dude, I think I messaged you about this. I'm, I'm sure I did. Um, and I've only watched a little bit of him, but I watched, I rewatched Michigan TCU the other day. The other day, dude, D Winters was so. I'm watching D Winters in that game. I'm like, this guy would be a first. If this was the only game you ever saw him play, you'd take him in the first round. Yeah. I think he had four tackles for loss. And I'm talking like screaming downhill through the A gap and blowing guys up in the backfield four times. And he had a pick six. He had some pressures. I'm like, this dude is nuts. Like, and then I look at his numbers and they're not. I'm like, all right, what's going on? Did he just play out of his mind that day? Maybe he did. Right. But I guess I can't say he's one of my guys. He's a guy that I was blown away by the other day. So I plan on watching more of him in the uh, coming days and weeks. And, Which uh, game was this, by the way? I'm going to write it this down. This was the, the, the playoff game against Michigan. Oh, okay, okay, yep. Dude, he was – and I mean, the broadcast kept saying it. Like, he's playing the game of his life. Like, he yeah. was just – he was a monster. Um, I, did, I, I guess we can stay one more uh, on linebackers. DeMarvion Overshone, yes, it was the Oklahoma game. So, if anybody wants to go back and just watch the Oklahoma and game from game, DeMarvion Overshone. That whole game. Like you said, if you could just base it on one game and it's like near first-round talent for DeMarvion Overshone. I'm not saying he's a first-round talent. Probably end up being, you know, bottom of the top 100, maybe, you know, top 75 if, if he's, you know, I think maybe a third-round guy. So, converted safety kind of fits the mold of what the Jets want. Um, somebody just ran a four five nine and I completely, uh, forget who it was, but they're, it was pretty impressive and they looked a lot faster than that. Um, but moving on, we can get to the Someone position. Derek that, Hall was a four, five, seven. Yeah. Derek Hall four, and then Owen Papa ran a four, five, oh, which is great. Noah yeah. Sewell's up uh, right now. And I feel like he dropped some weight. He's two forty six. They had him listed at two sixty, So I think, uh, that'll help his, um, scores here in the 40. I'm just, I don't know, man. I'm not sold on Noah Sewell. Or Henry Toa Toho. I mean, we I just talked about them. I, yeah, I don't I think just, they're bad, but I watched them and I'm like, I don't get the hype. I, I think Sewell's better than Toto, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, I didn't watch them and go, oh, wow. Like, I want that guy. Yeah, I he just, ran a 472. Good player. Yeah. Yeah. Sewell just ran a 472. I, I don't know. People question his lateral mobility and, you know, his overall athleticism. So I feel like that could be on par for what people want him to run. I feel like that's a bit slow for what the Jets specifically like out of linebackers. Yeah, absolutely. We we really appreciate that. Um, Moving on to the position that I don't think the Jets will draft, but if they do draft a couple of these guys, I swear I won't care at all. And just make a strength to strength. The rich get richer. That's cornerback. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the recent trollings of a one DJ Reed on Twitter, but he said, things are getting crazy dbu with a bunch of eyeball popping emojis and i assume it was in the in light of the jalen ramsey release and the potential of jalen ramsey being a new york jet i don't think he's been linked to the jets and i don't think the jets are quite frankly interested in jalen ramsey but did he get respect or, or, I'm sorry, expected to be traded. I'm sorry, I, I butchered that. Ex- I was like, no, wow. no, no. He, he <laughs> I guess that, that trade proposal didn't go so well. He tr- he tweeted out, he's like, they would never, like, I would never be cut. Like, that's not who Jalen Ramsey is. I don't, that's, that's what it was. Yes, he's expected to be traded. Jets haven't been linked. I don't think the Jets would give up capital for him, but it was rumored that during his draft process, he was questioned as a safety or a corner, and it could have gone either way. Somebody tweeted all pro uh, safety Jalen Ramsey 
you know, New York Jets all pro safety Jalen Ramsey sounds pretty damn good. And I'm like, well, you know, when you entertain it like that, yeah, let him roam the backfield. But I don't think he's coming to a new team, you know, trying to get safety money. He wants quarterback cornerback money. And I don't know if there's a position for him on the boundary. And I don't think you're putting Jalen Ramsey in the slot, although weirder things have happened. I guess I, Michael Carter is one of my favorites and I don't, I don't want him to be off the field. So I like our cornerback group, but Jalen Ramsey is kind of enticing at the same time. Getting into the draft prospects though, because there's a ton of them at the top of this draft. Glenn, who you got at cornerback? Um, I, you know, because the Jets are so rich there, I haven't watched a ton. You, you know, I, we know I love Joey Porter. I've mentioned him several times. Uh, some guys outside of round one who I really like, uh, Deontay Banks out of Maryland, um, Tyreek Stevenson out of, out of Miami, who was, as I said, I think maybe pound for pound, the most physical corner in this class. Um, it shows up on defense and as a punt returner. Um, wanted to mention one other guy real quick who, one second, where'd he go? I lost him now. Um, it was another, where'd he go? Uh, no, I lost him. I had I had a name here that I wanted to mention because I watched one of their games earlier today. Actually, let me see. I can pull them up real quick. Yeah, I have. I think I have Cam Mitchell. That was it, Cam Mitchell, uh, Northwestern. Cam Mitchell. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, dude. Like, TCU oh, Northwestern. Northwestern. I often flip their players because yeah. I think like the similar colors. When I was a kid and I first started watching. Like TCU was having a nice little run and Northwestern was, you know, playing some of their better football. Everything mm-hmm. for years, I'm always like, I'll be like, Skaronsky is TCU, no Northwestern, no T. Like I flip back and forth, those two schools yeah. for some reason. So I had to double check myself. But Cam Mitchell, um, physical guy, um, shows good anticipation, breaks on the ball in the air. And uh, again, I haven't looked at a ton of corners because I just late round developmental guy, maybe, but. Especially mm-hmm. if the Jets, I mean, they got to make some moves. I don't think they're only making six picks, but if they do, then uh, that's going to be a little bit rough. Yeah, and that's currently six picks, and that's you know with the looming question of Aaron Rodgers, which could potentially mean less than six picks. So I think it's interesting to see how Joe Douglas does um, work that arsenal of picks, whether he moves up or back and tries to use next year's capital or what have you. Um, going to be honest, I don't have a, a single thing written in my database about Cam Mitchell, not even a, a height, weight, anything. So that's completely new to me. Uh, you'd mentioned Deontay Banks and he's one of five guys. Like I said, as soon as I got access to this database, I just immediately went in and started watching wide receivers and corners. Um, I started with Devon Witherspoon and he's one of my guys. I mean, he's probably going to be the cornerback one of most people's uh, boards. He's certainly on top of mine. Obviously he's up there with Christian Gonzalez and Joey Porter Jr. Devon Witherspoon, he was supposed to be a senior bowl guy. He ended up not going to the senior bowl because um, Daniel Jeremiah had him mocked inside like his top 15 or something the week before. And he probably just said, Hey, you know what? That's fine by me. I don't really need to go showcase anything else. Just, amazing hitter he's only 180 something I believe he'll weigh in at like 182 183 maybe and uh he just he packs a punch like some of these guys that I'm going to talk about are a little bit heavier cornerbacks like in the 200 range Witherspoon's in the 180s and it doesn't matter he plays like 
you know, like he's a 200 pound uh, cornerback, sticky in man coverage, sticky as all hell in man coverage, honestly. Great instincts, great ball skills. Just all, all around, I have him slightly graded higher than Christian Gonzalez and Joey Porter. But my bias of like watching him on tape, I would love Devon Witherspoon at 13. I really don't care about need at that point. I would hope that they address the other needs if they're going to go cornerback at 13. Devon would be my guy. But I watched Joey Porter Jr. and Christian Gonzalez, and I came away impressed, and I like them. They're first-round grades for me. But I don't know. Something about Christian Gonzalez kind of worried me. I don't know. He just went low for every tackle, and I just felt like it was going to lead to a lot of misses if you're going around the ankles. And uh, Joey Porter Jr., I mean, again, sticky in coverage, instinctual. He could peel off of – you know, a corner sale route and come back into a flat route and pick it off or get his hands on it and nearly intercept it. But like Dom C said in our group chat, I just, I felt he was a little handsy when I start when I got the all 22 and I could watch him. I was like, he's just a little handsy at the top of these routes. Hmm. Uh, of course, everybody nitpicked sauce down the stretch because he was so damn good that anytime he put his hands on anybody, six or more yards down the field, holding, just it's holding yeah. five yards. It, it's it doesn't work like that. You can't call holding on or DPI on every play, mm-hmm. but it's going to get called. And Joey Porter could be a victim of that if he doesn't clean it up. But you know he's got the pedigrees. Joey yeah. Porter's kid for goddamn. Like, yeah, it, the, it doesn't the, matter. The, I feel the, like the arms, man. The length on these arms, yeah, like that's, it's ridiculous. Oh my goodness. I the first thing I wrote was just not a long build, but long arms, which yeah. that's all you really need at corner. I don't care. Do we see DJ Reed out there? He's five, right, dude, nine, get five, burned, ten. Stick his arm up in the air and still bat the pass down. Exactly. And I feel like uh, the Steelers, they're like, they got to be the floor for this guy. Like if they get to his pick and he's yeah, there. Yeah, I think that's where he goes. Like that's Joey Porter's kid. Like you can't, you can't just look over that legacy aspect of it. I thought that'd be a great, you know, way to full circle that whole family aspect. Years um, years ago, Al Toon's kid was coming out of Wisconsin at wide receiver, and I wanted the Jets to take him, and he just he didn't pan out. He was in the league mm-hmm. for a couple of years, and he was out. But I thought, man, Al Toon's kid, how cool! Like, yeah, yeah. Well, like Al Toon's one of the about, earliest players I remember watching. You know. Yeah, yeah. We we also talked about uh, Victor Green's son, Victor the Green's running back kid, from North Carolina. Green's so kid. it's kind of just crazy. I mean, you look at it next year, mock draft one pick one point zero one. That's I would, I would love for any of those guys. Victor Green, Ray Mickens, love those guys. Yeah. I would love to yeah, see their yeah. kids carry on. Now you got like Marvin guys. Harrison Juniors and stuff. It's kind of it's wild. Yeah, to he see, wasn't a like, jet, but I want that guy too. <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. Um, and then the last guy, a smaller guy, um, Clark Phillips. He's a guy that I watched in the summer. Haven't gone back and done the deep dive on him, but I mentioned him like mid-season this year. Um, he had a three-interception game, and two of them were brought back for pick sixes. So like he absolutely turned that game on its head. I'll have to pull up the uh, who the opponent was, but anytime you get three picks in a game and two go back to the house, I mean, here's a difference maker, and I think that's Clark Phillips. He kind of has that I'm small, but I really don't give a shit attitude, kind of like DJ right. Reed, and and he's gonna stick his like face in the fan type of thing. He's gonna play through you, play your hands. He has really good instincts, and I think at cornerback, the thing that I mentioned a lot is instincts, and you need to have instincts at corner. You can't just be out there guessing what guys are going to do. And you just see from all the guys that I've named, they just, they see something and they know how to react to it right away. They aren't hesitating. They aren't, and they're always right on the ball. They're never behind. So I think obviously corner is not a need for us, but I've just, I've fallen in love with a lot of these guys that are really high up upon my board. And I think Clark Phillips is going to end up in that top, top 50 range for me, probably, a you know, basically a first rounder, but not, 
So that brings us to our last position, safety, um, a need, not like corner. It is a need. Safety is a need, obviously, uh, opposite Jordan Whitehead. But Marcus Joyner is probably going to retire. He was contemplating it last year, and now I think it's just going to be official that he is going to retire or definitely not be on the Jets. So they're going to have to replace him somehow. Do you have any names on here that you think would be a good LaMarcus Joyner replacement? Uh, you know, funny having, we, we just mentioned uh, players, kids, and people might think this is somebody's kid, but it's not. I looked into it because I'm like, I don't know if I can root for this guy. I thought uh, so. Jason Taylor the second, not that Jason Taylor. His <laughs> yeah. dad was a good Jason Taylor. Um, but Jason Taylor the second, Oklahoma State, you watch their games, and the guy, he's just all over the place. He's constantly, you know, we say all the time how tough it is to, to watch DBs on game film because, or, you know, live games because they're off the screen so often. But this mm-hmm. guy made so many plays on the ball. Just kept seeing him and seeing him. I'm like, this, this guy, either he's either got great instincts or he's, he's the luckiest DB on the planet. Cause he keeps getting to the ball, batting passes, intercepting passes. Um, he's, you know, he's a, looks like he's a late day three projection, but I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him. Um, another guy who falls into the players I liked last year and didn't watch a lot of this year, Trey Dean um, from Florida. He, of course, closed out the senior bowl with that interception. Um, yep. You know, he, he's another good player, someone I liked last year. Ronnie Hickman out of Ohio State. Um, Jim, uh, Jamie Robinson out of Florida State. So there's some good players out there. I know you, I know some of your guys you're going to mention. I'm not going to steal him. Uh, Jair Brown, I've only watched one or two of his games. Haven't been team do a whole lot. Um, and, of course, J.L. Skinner. Um, who we've mentioned, and everybody likes Brian Branch. Like, how do you not like Brian Branch? Yeah, exactly. Uh, J.L. Skinner, I don't, I, I haven't confirmed it, but I did see he tore his bicep. Um, I don't know if that was in training for the combine or what have you. I, I'd have to go back and double check that, but I believe, excuse me, I believe he did tear his bicep. Um, Hickman, he's a guy that I feel like a lot of Jets fans fell in love with during the Senior Bowl week. Um, I didn't see it on film with him. I forget who it was, but there was a running back broke open in the open field and it was just him and Hickman. He didn't even put a move on. He just kind of like turned his body and ran the other way and just Hickman couldn't do it. And I'm not saying that's indicative of who he is, but that was my first exposure to him. So when I got down to the senior bowl with Hickman, I was like, all right, I want to see the positives in this guy. And there were some, you know, I think he's a small guy, barely over six foot, six foot and three quarter, 209 pounds. He's okay. I don't think he's, you know, the second, third round guy that people are mocking him to be. I would probably say day three, but I, I realistically think you could find a day three safety that could replace LaMarcus Joyner. Um, the guys that I'm going to mention probably aren't day three guys and probably fall into that day two bucket. I don't know if there's any safeties outside of Brian Branch that should be in that first round conversation, but Antonio Johnson, if they want to go into a mold of somebody that they don't have at safety which is a tall, rain, like long athlete, Antonio Johnson would be the guy. Um, a ton of box play, though. I'm very concerned about how much free safety he's played at college and if he is able to be a even part-time, half-time, three-quarter of the time free safety player. I would prefer somebody to be more rangy and have experience at the position rather than just, oh, you're tall, go back there and play the deep, you know, the deep part of the field. But Antonio Johnston, uh, Johnson, excuse me, really intrigued me. Um, I did want to uh, mention Jason Taylor the second. The first time I saw him on film, he broke up a pass. Um, it was a slant against 
Quentin Johnston, the TCU wide receiver at the goal line, and he just fought through his hands. And I was, I was watching that was in the end zone, wasn't it? Right on. Yeah, the I was watching Johnston at the time, and then that guy, he uh, Sanders broke it up, and I was like, "Who is that guy?" Like that was a great play. And then it's Jason Sanders the second, the guy that you told me about when Taylor. he got yeah added to the roster at Senior Bowl. So really intrigued by him. He's an Oklahoma State guy. He's another a small guy, five eleven, seven eighths, two hundred and eight pounds, and realistically, outside of Johnson, I don't have a single guy on my database who's taller than six foot one and right. i don't know if that's just i don't have enough eyes on this is every safety in the at the combine right now that i have a, a height on except for brandon hill from pittsburgh and johnson is six three that's not official like i said the next guy is six one so it's a small safety class the two guys i'm going to name are small one has a ton of free safety experience the other a pretty much a box only guy in college, Sidney Brown. He's the box only guy, versatile athlete, good ball skills, just rocked up physique. Him and his brother came in like they had just done like a a Mr. Universe uh, competition. Oh, this is the Jason Sanders play down here. Jason Taylor. Jason. That's it. I keep calling him Jason Sanders. (laughs) Um, Yep. Here he is slant up top. Just fights through the hands. I love that about any defensive back. If you're willing to just play through the ground, you're not going to surrender the rep. I, I love that. So Jason Taylor, not Sanders. Got it. Sidney Brown, back to Sidney Brown. Versatile, athletic. He played 742 snaps in 2022. 440 of them came in the box. So this guy is like a two-thirds box type of guy. They had him line up against tight ends, and then they had him line up against slots at the Senior Bowl. He did fairly well, undercutting a lot of um, passes to the tight ends. Thought he did well. I'm not sure if he's a fit for the Jets, but I love his his athleticism and his projection. The guy that I think should be the the replacement for Lamarcus Joyner, Christopher Smith II from Georgia. Certainly a guy I've talked about before on this pod. I watched him in the summer. I watched a little bit more of Georgia. I mean, you just see glimpses of him anytime you watch Georgia. Uh, versatile. Dax Hill is the guy I keep going back to, but he leans free safety a lot. So opposite of Sidney Brown, this guy played 812 snaps in 2022. 67% of them came at free safety. So he's the guy that I think could be the rangy. He's small. Like I said, he's small, 5'11", I believe, at the senior bowl he measured. So he's not going to wow you with his length or anything like that. But he's rangy. He has great ball skills. He's a four- or five-year starter at Georgia. So he's intelligent as all hell. Here he is, 5'10 and a quarter, 188. So very small. I really don't care because LaMarcus Joyner was small and he did okay. He led the team in interceptions. I truly think Christopher Smith II could be that and more. So those are my safeties. I know we're running a little bit over time. I know you're at work. So uh, any last thoughts on any of these prospects that we've talked about or any of the Jets news that has come down? No, nothing in particular, man. Like I said, just uh, like I said to you in that message the other day, this is the first time I feel like the draft is getting here too fast. Because mm-hmm. I'm trying to get spun up. I want to have data and highlights and clips of every single player that gets drafted. Um, I don't know how close I am, but I know I'm looking at the calendar. And it used to feel like I look at the calendar now and the draft feels 10 years away. Um, feels like it's 10 minutes away because it's – there's like I said, man, I start at the bottom and now I'm just getting into these guys where some of these guys are so good. There's just millions and millions of plays to choose from um, mm-hmm. and to get to get acquainted with these guys. And there's there's just some really, really good players um you know especially like i love the tight end group i love the linebacker group 
um, some of the mid mid round mid round wide receivers. Um, Jason Brownlee, who I mentioned last week, I don't know if you uh, had a chance to listen. I know we, we both every now and then we discussed the uh, the TDN the draft the draft dudes pod. Yeah, um, they did their their combine preview and they kind of closed with name a name a name a sleeper and they mentioned mentioned Brownlee. Yeah. who I had in my article today and mentioned last week. So I'm curious to see how he does out there. I think because uh, there's just, there's not a lot of big bodied receivers. Um, not even, not, no. not even the big, not even the wide barrel chest guys. Not even, there's not a lot of tall guys. Um, and Brownlee is sort of like, I think he's going to come in at around six, three. Um, and if he, if he, you know, if he plays as well, or if, if he tests out as well as he, you would expect him to based on how he's played, um, I like him as a prospect, so looking forward to see some of these results come rolling in. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting that they did mention it. I forgot to uh, tweet at you when they said it, but yeah, I, I, I kind of perked up when I heard his name. I was like, oh, that's that's familiar to me now. Yeah. Um, there's another name. I was just it just floated out of my brain, but that's what happens. Um, oh, Bryce Ford Wheaton from West Virginia, another slightly yeah. bigger receiver. I forget who I was watching. One of the DBs, and Don, him and Dontavious Wicks. I like Dontavious Wicks. I like yeah from Virginia. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, damn, Bryce Ford Wheaton keeps coming down with these passes. So like, I did what you did. I wrote his name down to the side as I was continuing watching my guy, and he's somebody I wrote down immediately. I have to get eyes on because we need a Corey Davis replacement if that if and when that time comes. And there's not that many of them in this draft. And I I'm cool with being small wide receiver, but I don't think the Jets and Nathaniel Hackett are. So they're gonna want at least somebody to play the Z or the X that's you know six two or more. So it's, it's gonna be exciting. Like you said, it, it kind of creeps up on you where already in March it's ridiculous the combine's literally happening as we're speaking so before you know it you know pro days are going to be over and you know free agency have come and gone all the waves and we'll be right there talking about draft but we'll be here keeping you uh informed with everything as soon as like we said as soon as there's quarterback news we will jump on that night we can't guarantee within the hour because we have jobs and we can't uh, afford to not go to work and get paid so We'll be there that night, though, breaking down the news if and when it happens. Um, for Glenn Naughton, you can follow him on Twitter at AceFan23. Follow his draft account. He's really uh, pumping out uh, prospect clips. Uh, that's at JetsPicks, at JetsPicks. Follow me on Twitter at DTerriman. Follow Jet Nation on all social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Um We'll we'll be back next week. I'm not exactly sure of the topic, but probably just reviewing combine guys that exploded and and really bumped up their stock. We're talking and about the new quarterback. I hope, like like we said, it's going to be soon. It's got to be next week. So yeah. And until next time, appreciate everybody uh, tuning in. Chat, you guys are amazing. Until next time, let's go Jets. <laughs>